See what happens when you let the kids come in. Everything goes crazy. All right. How you doing, Victory Church? Come on, let me hear you this morning. As you have been hearing, there's so much happening in this Christmas season um, from obviously our kids' play to next Sunday. As Brian mentioned, we'll be wrapping the Christmas presents that we help provide for the Domestic Abuse Center in Murfreesboro. Uh, and then, of course, Christmas Eve service, which Betty Joe did a great job expressing to everybody and stressing, make sure you reserve your seats. Make sure that you do that because we'll have three services for the first time. And then also make sure that you remember that on December 31st, there will be no service. Um, and then we'll come back in January 7th for our brand new series of the new year and be rock and rolling. Also, something that we do around this Christmas season I want to highlight for a second is our end of the year offering. So we've been doing it since we started this church. We call it Purpose Prevails. And what we do is really encourage you to kind of look back on the year, how it's been, where God has provided, where God's been faithful, uh, and then pray and ask that God would lay on your heart an amount that you would give as kind of an end-of-the-year offering. Uh, we, we always say to you, pray about it, and if God tells you to give nothing, give nothing. Um, the Bible is very specific that a cheerful heart is what he's looking for, and so we never want to you know, push anybody to do it. But it's something my family and I have done for six years now. And it's just a great moment, I think, for us as we look back on the year and we see all of God's faithfulness to then pray and ask for the Lord to give us an amount and to give that offering back to him. One thing we do say, we really encourage that for those that are regular tithers to the church. If you're not tithing, we really encourage you, instead of participating in Purpose Prevails, to pray about considering to start tithing. Uh, there's so many principles and blessings that follow that that may not follow just kind of a special offering. Um, and so if you were here last week, you got one of these cards. If not, you can get one from the Welcome Center when you leave today. And really the, the purpose of this card is really for those who are interested in what we call God's guarantee. And what that is, is we believe where the Bible says to test God when it comes to tithing. And so we kind of set up a system we've been doing now for a few years. It's been pretty awesome. Where if you want to, you want to start tithing, you want to trust God in that realm, you can do it. And for 90 days, we'll keep up with those finances. And if after those 90 days, God has not provided for you faithfully, we will turn around and give all of that, 100% of that money back. It's kind of an opportunity for you to step out in faith a little bit and trust God and then to see God's faithfulness in that process. And so again, all that information is on this card. So if you're interested in God's guarantee, you can get one of those from the Welcome Center, a little bit more information for you. But regardless, I ask that everybody in the room be praying and asking God as the year comes to an end, uh, what you could do and what that love offering might look like. Um, we take that love offering at the end of the year and we use it to kind of set forward the goal and the vision of the next year. So for example, as Brian and Betty Joe mentioned, we will be wrapping presents for 20 families in the Domestic Abuse Center. Come on, next Sunday, that's going to be insane. And we're able to do that from last year's Purpose Prevails offering. And so this year, Purpose Prevails kind of helps set motion any renovations we're going to do, some of the ministries we're going to do, events we're going to do, our marriage conference will be bigger, just a lot of different things. And so it kind of helps set the tone for that. And so we encourage you to start praying about that. Uh, and again, you'll have the whole month and end of the new year to do that. Amen? Hey, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start reading from verse 1. And I was given a, a thought from the Lord over the past couple of weeks that I wanted to present today, and I was telling the dream team this morning, it's, it's kind of ironic to preach what I'm going to preach to you right after uh, kids come on stage, and it's kind of a, a Philly good kind of thing in your, in your stomach, and then you're going to hear a message that could be kind of set a little heavy at first, but I just felt like the timing is right, 
uh, first service, despite all of our technical uh, issues and all that, God just moved. We had so many interactions with people over prayer, people in the lobby crying, and it's just an incredible move of God. And I want to really encourage you to lean in this morning because I believe God's got that for you as well. So before we read the scriptures, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And I do believe that this is an on-time word for so many people. And first of all, we just thank you for the ministry you did during first service, and we pray that you would uh, have a similar impact spiritually here in second service. So, Father, have your way. Take this word. Communicate it like only you can. Speak specifically to every individual we, individual we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start reading from verse 1. You can follow along on your phones, on your Bible, or behind me on the screen. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and now we've come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this news, he was disturbed. Everybody say disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him, when he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? They respond, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written, because this was prophesied about in advance. And it says, but you, this is what the prophecy said, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the child, this child being Jesus, of course, and as soon as you find him, come and report it to me so that I may go and worship him. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea, the pain of Christmas. Spoke to you last week about the awe of Christmas, and we wrapped that around the idea that God is Emmanuel, God with us. And I want to kind of do a, a little shift here and take us out of that thought and now into a thought of the pain of Christmas. Here's the reason I want to talk about it, and here's why it came to my mind. Because as you continue to read in Matthew chapter 2, when this whole scenario happens with King Herod, and he's trying to find the, the newborn Messiah to, to execute him, to kill him, and he sets up this secret plan, but the plan goes awry, and it doesn't work, and then King Herod gets mad, and down around verse 16, King Herod orders that every two-year-old boy, two and under, in Bethlehem or the vicinity, be murdered. That he would kill all of these Little boys, two years and younger. Now you see why it's a little awkward to tell this after a bunch of kids leave the stage singing. But it, it was really important for us to grasp that this happened because I've read that and maybe you've heard that before, but it never really set into my heart with the seriousness and the weight that it set in this past couple of weeks because I started thinking about this. That on, that on the same night, while some families are rejoicing over the birth of a baby, some families are mourning over the death of theirs. See what I mean? That, that in the same night, you could have a moment of excitement and rejoice. And you could also, on the other side of town, in a different house, have a moment of tears and joy. And it started to make me think about us and today in our culture. 
and how we can be in the season, in a season that is marked with the word joy, that this is all about excitement and praise and happiness, and there could be people in the middle of a season that is marked joy and be miserable. That embedded in the Christmas story, embedded in the birth narrative of Jesus into this world, watch this, is a dark story of loss, a dark story of tragedy, and of tears and pain. It's interesting that there are no porcelain displays of this story next to the nativity, right? When you walk into Target, you don't have this scenario, so you could set it on your dresser in your living room. It's interesting that right in the middle of this narrative, many people may not even know this, lies this story of tragedy. Meaning that while some would call this a season of joy, watch this, there are many who would consider this to be a season of grieving. I read one study that said one out of every three people are suffering in the Christmas season. One out of every three people, which means if you were to count around the room by threes, that there's a good chance that one of those three people are in the middle of a season that you and I mark for happiness, joy, excitement, singing, all these things, and they are suffering in the middle of it. Some are suffering because this season marks a season or reminds them of a season where they lost a loved one. Some people suffering because this is the first time they've spent the holidays alone. Some people suffering from financial stress because they can't provide the gift giving that they want to provide. To have small children and all you want to do is provide something great for them and yet to be struggling financially. Some people struggling because they are in the middle of a broken family and a broken home and a broken marriage and they're having to come together and pretend like everything's okay. Some people struggling simply because They don't get along with their family, and now they have to spend hours in the same room together. My point is is that there's a good chance as you're walking around, as you're operating, and maybe even you, that one out of every three people are suffering, are dealing with the pain of Christmas. Because the holiday season, watch this, can feel like punishment when you're grieving. You're not excited about gift giving. You're not excited about Christmas cards or Christmas songs. You are suffering because in this season, all you can experience is grief. So it made me ask this question. Does the pain of Christmas contradict the promise of joy to the world? Right? In in this season, this is what we know. Joy to the world. That's why I don't lead on the worship team, just so y'all are clear. But but this, this is the mark of the season. Everywhere you go, people have signs in their yards and signs on their house. Joy to the world. But does does the idea that some of us could be experiencing Pain during Christmas contradict the idea of joy to the world. I think the enemy would want us to believe so. But I want to show you a couple things in Matthew chapter 2 that you and I can be prepared for. And I believe that God leaves us with the promise that if we will embrace in this season, we will not so much be about the pain of Christmas, but the peace of Christmas. So let's get into it. Number one is this. I want to encourage you to not be disturbed with This season, 
as, as all that's going on, I want to encourage you, do not be disturbed with him, him being the enemy. Watch this. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. I want to show you a verse that jumped off the pages to me in verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, this being that the Messiah was to be born there, when he heard this, he was what? Disturbed. When he heard this, he was disturbed because he had a plan of rule and reign, and now the Messiah, the Savior, had come to save his people, and he was disturbed by it. But that's not the part that stood out to me. Here's the part that stood out to me. And all Jerusalem, everybody say this, with him. With him, all of Jerusalem. So King Herod is disturbed, and therefore, because King Herod is disturbed, everybody's disturbed. Now, some of these people, I think they were disturbed. They didn't even know why they were disturbed. They were, well, the king's mad, so we should be mad, right? I should be angry because he's angry. And the enemy is angry about this season. And watch this. He wants you and I to be disturbed with him. Our enemy has been trying to destroy Christmas for over 2,000 years. We're reading about it. Christmas was marked and began with the birth of a Savior. And you fast forward over 2,000 years later, and he's still trying to destroy this season. And here's why, and I taught you this last week, because for us, Christmas is a reminder. The season of Christmas is a reminder that God is with us. That the idea of a baby in a manger is to represent God becoming flesh and being with us. So that's why the enemy is disturbed because for this season and for us, that's what it's a reminder of. But watch this. For him, it's a reminder that his plan failed. Christmas is a reminder for the enemy that his plan failed. And therefore, it disturbs him and he would like it to disturb us because misery loves company. It's funny, I was comparing the enemy to Ebenezer Scrooge. Y'all know him from the Christmas Carol? You know, he's, he's old, he's angry, he's mad at life, he hates Christmas, and because he hates Christmas, he wants everybody else to hate Christmas. Because he doesn't want to have a nice meal with family at Christmas. He doesn't want anybody to have a nice meal at family with Christmas. He doesn't want the people that work for him to enjoy Christmas. He doesn't want his neighbors to enjoy Christmas. And this is the same way our enemy operates. Because for him, Christmas is a bad reminder. He wants it to be bad for you. Because it disturbs him, he wants it to disturb you. He's a Scrooge in this season. It made me think about, we all have a Scrooge in our life, right? You, you know, you may not point them out or whatever it might be, but they're going to be that person that, like, no matter what happens, you can't please them. You know what I mean? Like, they're mad at this season. First, they're mad because it didn't snow. I wanted a white Christmas. I didn't get a snow during Christmas, so they're mad. Then it snows during Christmas, and now they're mad because it snowed during Christmas. You know what I mean? Or, or, or you didn't get them a present for Christmas, and they're mad because you didn't think about them and get them a present for Christmas. But then you got them a present for Christmas, and now they're mad because you spent your money on them and got them a present for Christmas. Like, you can't please them no matter the situation. And this is the same attitude of our enemy. No matter what happens in this season, he's not pleased. He's disturbed. He's angry. He's mad. And he wants you and I to live that way as well. Now, please listen to me. 
I'm not saying that you will not be disturbed in this season. I'm not saying that you cannot be disturbed in this season because things happen, tragedies happen, hardships happen. And I've taught you before that we react, right? And so we initially are disturbed. What I'm trying to tell you is that God doesn't want you to remain disturbed in this season. You may be disturbed, but God can deliver you. God can heal you from it. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God does not ignore your pain. God does not ignore your pain. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's heavy on your heart, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what moves you to tears, no matter what moves you to frustration, God does not ignore it. This season, this whole Christmas season, can I give you another? Last week, I felt like I gave you a whole new way to look at Christmas. I'm going to give you another whole new way to look for Christmas at Christmas. This season is about It's about how God did not stay distant from us. It's about how God did not remove himself from our pain. It's about the fact that God did not see us hurting and go, well, you need to figure it out on your own. That God didn't see us being bothered and go, I can't be involved with that. God did not distance himself. He did not remove himself, but chose to enter this broken world to be with us. Come on, give God praise in this place. And we really, really will appreciate it when we think about the state of the world when Christ was born. This world was violent. There was injustice. There was pain. And as I just told you, there was murder happening everywhere. And yet God did not go, well, that's not a world I'm sending my baby to. Right? Because he could have. He could have said, hey, y'all get this whole thing figured out. Fix this. Or maybe he said, I'll just wipe you all out before I send my son. But God said, no, I'm going to send him right in the middle of all of this injustice, right in the middle of all of this violence, right in the middle of all of this pain and all of this murder. I'm going to send my son as a baby because I want my children to know, watch this, that when they hurt, that when they're in pain, that when they feel what they don't understand, I am not a God that is distant. I am not a God that is way up in the heavens. I am a God that is near you, with you, walking with you, going through it with you. I'm a God that is near. The message of Christmas, watch this, isn't that we should never be disturbed. If you've ever been taught that Christianity is about arriving at a place where you'll never hurt or be mad or be sad, that's wrong. But instead, and this is kind of a weird thought, that the Christmas season is actually saying, watch this, Things are really bad. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) I've always tried to shoot it straight with you. Things are really bad. And watch this. You cannot save yourself. And if you work hard, you're not going to make this place a a place of peace. But nevertheless, hope has been born. Man, the devil hates this message, y'all. He hates it. He hates it.
I was thinking, I got a text message yesterday from my friend Mike in Clarksville expressing to me, he just said, pray for us, pray for us. All the damage that was happening, he said, tornado just landed, damage done. I told him, I said, we're praying. I said, we're working on, you know, getting you some financial help. And I said, as soon as you find out a way to serve, you let us know. We'll do everything that we can. And I kind of sat back on the couch after I sent that message. And I thought this, watch. I thought, what do you tell a family that's two weeks away from Christmas and a tornado destroys everything they have? Every Christmas present that was stored in the closet waiting to be wrapped, gone. Every financial ability they have to even provide Christmas, if not already gone, about to be used somewhere else. And then I had this thought. You do not tell them, don't be disturbed. Right? Don't feel that way. Don't be disturbed. Because they can't control how they feel. The other thing I realize I can't tell them is this is why it happened. Because I don't know. And so in a season like this where you and I are feeling pain, when it's marked by joy, number one, I don't tell you, don't feel that way, because that's not realistic. Nor do I tell you, oh, here's why you feel that way, because that may not be evident. But what I can tell you is that hope has been born, that a light has dawned, that Jesus is here, and he has drawn near to you to be whatever you need, whenever you need, however you need it. Listen, here's what's so great. It says, I'm talking to Mike. I know that over the next couple days, the church will be on the ground. They'll be serving. They'll be giving. They'll be providing. I know that families will find sanctuary in churches. I know that they'll find financial help in churches. And listen, I am never one to highlight the church. The only reason I put the church up is because God is the church. And so it's all about God, but his source is the local church. And so we get to be used of God by God, in a season like this where people are feeling pain, I can't explain it. I don't know why you're experiencing it. I will not tell you to stop feeling it, but I will tell you that if you'll draw near to God, you don't have to remain in it. You don't have to be disturbed. Do not listen to the lie that says remain disturbed. Stay disturbed. This Christmas, this year may be tough, but every Christmas doesn't have to be. He will redeem if you allow him. So number one is do not be disturbed with him. Number two is this, don't keep it secret like him. Watch this, Matthew chapter 2. It says, then Herod called the Magi, everybody say the next word together, secretly. Hey, secretly, come here, come here, come here, come here. He disguised, I told you that he says go and find the baby so that I can come and worship him and he's lying. He means so I can come and kill him because the enemy operates underground. The enemy operates in the darkness. He operates in the secret sea. Everything is disguised. Everything is secret. That's how he operates. Our enemy loves to disguise things. Therefore, watch this, and this is the part that kills me, making us believe that we're actually doing a good thing by keeping our pain to ourselves and from God. If he can teach you to keep it secret, 
I almost called the sermon Secret Santa. You know what I mean? Like, like if he can just, or Secret Satan, that's what I was going to call it. Secret Satan, right? Because if, I, if he can just teach you to keep it secret, just keep it to yourself. There's this whole cultural attitude about don't let them see you cry. Don't be weak. Don't let them know they get to you. Why? Why, why are we, why do we prevent, be strong. Why? So you can be strong? Like, like, what's the push behind that? Listen to me. Church is over. I had a young man come up to me who has a military background, and he's crying. He says, I couldn't come down to the altar, but I'm coming to you right now. He said, my entire life I was taught don't break. He said, today God broke me. I'm telling you, it's why light's going crazy and everything. Curse you. You know what I mean? Make you break in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter because people are being set free from a message where the enemy would tell you to stay secret, and God says, give it to me. Let me have it. Cry on my shoulder. Weep to me. Be broken to me. I came near to you. The message of Christmas is here I am. So come to me. Do not keep yourself from me. Some of you were taught that God is the kind of father that when you express pain, he's ashamed. It's not who he is. He's not a God that says, you're fine, get up. He's the father that I believe gets down with you, consoles you and comforts you, and then picks you up. Because when we hide our pain, watch this, we prevent the God of all comfort from consoling us in a way that only he can. Silent pain validates the idea that you and I must be self-sufficient. I don't want to be a part of anything where I can't be broken, where I can't be honest, where I can't show weakness. Come on, y'all. Our God says it is when you are weak that you are strong. That math ain't math, and y'all don't even make sense. God says, because when you're weak, I come in, and it's my strength that makes you strong. God is begging us to be open about our weakness. Do not let the enemy tell you, suck that tear up. Be strong. Don't let them see you weak. Why? Because if I can allow myself to be open about my weakness, I can set loose a strength and a spirit of God. This past week, my family and I, we were, we were at Universal Studios. That was our kids' Christmas present. We like to do experiences other than toys because they got way too many toys. And at one point, we're going from one park to the other, and we're walking in this kind of open area. And there's kind of like this concrete pathway and steps and all this. And Casey Ray, my youngest, is she's just a wild person. And so she's always climbing and running and jumping on something. Like very rarely is she just walking like a normal human being. And we're walking, and all of she's probably, I don't know, she's probably 10 or 15 feet ahead of us. And all of a sudden, she falls. And it's all concrete. What she's walking on is concrete. What she fell around was concrete. And so we did what every parent does, where you take that about 30 seconds just to process what happened. Like, how bad is this? You know what I mean? Like, you're just trying to see, do I need to, do we need to call an ambulance or do I need to pretend like, oh, looky there. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying to process this whole situation out. And so she falls, watch this, she falls, and she gets up, never looks back at us, and she starts walking it off, but she's got a little, she got a little impact, right? She got a little, got a little, little hitch in her giddy up. Like, she kind of walking like this as she's walking. And so we're watching her like, eh. And she's going for a good minute, just too universal, like this. And all of a sudden, she turns around and she looks at us. 
And when she looks at us, I just went, baby, you okay? And the moment I said that, tears just started, I mean, just, and, it just, and she runs over to her big sister and just braces her big sister like this. And then she takes her big sister, goes over to her mom, embraces her mom, and then grabs me into it. And we're all sitting there holding her, having this incredible family moment in the middle of Universal Studios, you know. Spirit of God reminded me of that moment. Watch this. He said, you and I, we go through life and something happens. Tragedy happens. Pain happens. Stress happens. And we fall. But we've been taught by culture to get up and fake it. But it's an obvious. You know what I mean? We can't have relationships the same anymore. We don't trust God the same anymore. We, we've been impacted and influenced by what we've experienced. And what I need you to hear is that this is a moment where God is looking to you and saying, baby, are you okay? Sweetheart, are you okay? Daughter, are you okay? Son, are you okay? And here's what I love about the Spirit of God. It is totally okay for you to begin to let out those tears and run to the Father and be embraced by the Father and be reminded that you don't have to fake and you don't have to pretend. And this is not about you acting like you're strong enough or acting like it didn't impact you. Guess what? It hurt. And it still hurts. And no matter how many Christmas carols they sing, you will be disturbed. But God says you don't have to be. If you'll just let it out, come to me. The, the young man that has a military background, he's talking to me, and he just embraces me and starts to cry. And I'm holding him, and he's in the lobby, and we're just sitting there, two grown men holding each other, crying. This would not be appropriate in any other scenario. But in church, it's amazing. And the Lord was reminding me of the prodigal son story. And the son's coming home trying to figure out all the stipulations dad's going to have, all the punishments dad's going to have. And he can't even get to dad before dad takes off running to him, arms wide open, and embraces him. Listen to me. The spirit of God that's in this house, the spirit of God that is in you, the God I read about in the scriptures that are alive is a God that looks at you and says, are you okay? And if you say no, he says, come here. And he embraces you. And there is healing. And there is provision over your life. Do not continue to keep it secret. Do not continue to act like it doesn't hurt. Allow the God who is a healer today, yesterday, and forever to heal. God's concern and care for your suffering, watch this, has already been proven in one simple truth. He gave us his son. If you ever wonder, if you ever been taught wrong theology and this idea that God does not care about your suffering, I would tell you that God disproved that whole thought by simply sending his son. By coming to be with us, the Bible says, for God draws near to the brokenhearted. Proximity becomes closer when we're broken. Because only our God, only our God was abandoned, tortured, killed, Christmas shows us that God knows exactly what you and I are going through. And watch this. When we talk to him, he understands. Merry Christmas. That when God talks, when you talk to God, he understands. 
when December 25th rolls around and all you can think about is the fact that your family was not broken this time last year. God understands. When Christmas time rolls around and you realize that the financial place you were in this time last year is not the same and you can't provide the way you want to provide and you talk to God about it, he understands. When Christmas time arrives, listen to me, and you're either welcoming a baby or mourning the loss of a baby. God understands. When the family gathers together and all you can think about are the loved ones that aren't there, God understands that no matter what you're going through and no matter where the pain hurts, You don't serve a God who is distant. You do not serve a God who is on a throne operating the schedule and uninterested in your feelings. But you serve a God that noticed your hurt and said, I got to be there. I got to be there. And so, Emmanuel, God is now with us. I told somebody after the first service, I've never had a verse beat on my head like a drum today, like the fact that God draws near to the brokenhearted. At the end of the service, we're going to have a time of prayer and invite you down. I encourage you to do it. Do it this morning. I'm ending early on purpose so that you'll have plenty of time. V-Kids will have plenty of time for you to allow somebody to pray for you. Do not walk out of these doors today with the pain that you walked in with. Allow people to come together to pray with you, to support you, to be there for you. Amen? You know, when it comes to this season, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what you've been through, I think we've all shared one uh, experience that didn't quite go as expected and that would be when you and I received a gift that we didn't want you ever had that happen get all excited because the gift is wrapped and you don't know what it is and you start kind of making up in your mind what you think it might be and then you finally open it and it's like a sweater from Kohl's you know what I mean y'all know what I mean not like the fashionable sweaters but those sweaters get a pair of socks, which is funny. I'm almost 40, and now I would actually appreciate some socks. It's funny how life turns. i never forget the very first Christmas I had with Darla's family. Her brother-in-law got me this, I mean, this present was massive, y'all. It was, like, it was like as big as this whole sign right here. It was wrapped up, and so and it had been set, and, you know, we got there pretty early, and it was up against the wall, and, you know, I'm, I'm still a kid where I'm looking at the presents. Whose is that? Whose is that? I see this big present to Troy. It's not to our family. It's to me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's this present going to be? And he knows I'm a sports fan, so I'm thinking, this man's got an autographed jersey, and it's framed up. Like, this is so awesome. And so I'm trying to rush the evening. Like, come on, don't you think we should go open? The kids are ready to open presents. Don't you think we should go open presents? We finally get in there, y'all, and I rip this Christmas present open, and it is a 300-piece tool set. which I do not have, I don't even know where it is anymore. Somehow I lost 300 tools, guys. And in case you don't know me like that, I don't have tools. I have friends who have tools. 
That's how that works, all right? Like, I mean, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been a worst present. Yeah, it just, it was wild. It was just disappointment. And we've all been there. But then in 1994, a miracle happened. Thanks to Blockbuster, something happened for you and for me that changed the trajectory of gift giving. And never did we have to experience a moment of that lowered expectation because in 1994, Blockbuster came out, watch this, with the very first gift card. Did you know that? I didn't know that Blockbuster did that for the first time. Gift card. Nowadays, you can't go anywhere without seeing the, the whole little, you know, area of gift cards. They got gift cards for everything. Gift cards for Uber, gift cards for Chipotle. You can get it all. And I, I love all gift cards, all right? I'm an equal gift card lover, if that makes sense. Like, I, you know, Cracker Barrel's a great one because you can get, you know, anything. A Cracker Barrel's good. Right now on my dresser in my room is an escape room gift card that my wife got me for my birthday and a crumble gift card that a family from the church got us for Pastor's Appreciation. What else do you need in life? I can escape and have a cookie. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I can't wait to walk up and crumble one day. You got that confidence. You know the confidence you go to at a restaurant when you know you don't have to pay, right? You got a gift card and you're like, all of it. <laughs> Two appetizers. You know what I mean? People are like, man, he's wealthy. Nah, he got a gift card. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, but, but, but here's my favorite gift card. My favorite gift card, y'all, is the Visa gift card. Because that gift card covers everything. Because, and I've learned this, you can't walk up in the Cracker Barrel with a crumble gift card. They won't take it. But if you walk in with a Visa gift card, they have to take it. Because Visa is accepted everywhere. It's commercial. We filmed that, baby. I'm making some money. So I'm thinking about this, right? Spirit of God told me this. I was thinking about the whole thing. He sent me on this road of this Visa gift card because he said, that's who I am. I'm not limited in your situation. There is not one thing that you've been through that God arrives at and goes, ah, I don't work on that. Everything, every moment, every issue, every hurt, every pain, he is enough. Second Thessalonians said it like this, that he can give you peace, watch this, in every way for every situation. No matter what the problem is, every way. No matter what's going on, every situation. Peace of God, peace of God, peace of God. And then he went on to say, watch this, in John chapter 14, he says, it's my peace that I give you. I love that because he's not giving us peace of this world. He's not giving us, watch, he's not even giving us our own peace. He's giving us his peace. So do me a favor, would you stay in this morning? Prayer team, I'm going to invite you down. And here's how I really want to end this service. The Spirit of God was so sweet in first service. And I just want to encourage here in a minute, everybody in this room, that this is a painful season for you. Whatever it might be, I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God and the presence of God is peace for every situation. Every situation. And why would you bring that pain into this room and leave with it? Wouldn't it be 
just a great opportunity for you to come and Bible says we're two or more gathered he's there come and stand with a brother a sister and just say hey this is this is what I'm dealing with in a few weeks I'll be with family members that I struggle even being around in a few weeks I'll be dealing with financial stress in a few weeks we'll be sitting around the table and I've lost a loved one and they won't be there in a few weeks we'll be sitting around the table and my my marriage is hurting and it'll be obvious and this is the pain of this season I was so pulled by this idea and this message that while everybody's pretending to experience joy the month of December, there are people who are really hurting. And God is faithful to bring healing. Amen? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to invite you down for prayer. And then the worship team's going to sing, and it's just going to be a great time of you in the presence of God finding healing. Maybe you don't want to come down for prayer. You can do it right where you are. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing like having somebody who's putting their hand on your shoulder or holding your hands and praying for your situation. So close your eyes right now. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the redemption of this season. That while some were losing their children. There was a baby being born, a light that was dawning, hope that was arriving. And I'm praying right now, Father, your spirit has already proven to us what you did last service, that there are people in this place hurting that need a touch from you and that you would do what I cannot do. I cannot address the exact situation. I don't know exactly what they're dealing with, but your word says that you are peace in every way for every situation right now begin to speak to their heart in every way in every situation and then you said that it's your peace that you give us so for every person that's in here that needs the peace of God let this be the moment let this be the morning come on right now if you need prayer right now right now let this just be able to receive the peace of God may your peace be relevant may your peace be evident father Move in this place right now. Do not let us leave out of here holding the same pain that we brought in. But to agree with one another. To pray 2 Thessalonians over our lives. That you are the peace in every way. The peace in every situation. To pray John 14. I want to invite you, come on, come on, do not leave this place this morning. Do not leave this place with that pain and that suffering. Like the young man that met me in the lobby that said, I just had to, he said, I wanted to come down, but I just, I just couldn't. Let it be a moment of embrace and prayer, but most of all, peace. Father, I pray right now for supernatural peace. That in a season of pain, for the single mom, for the couple that's trying to have a kid, for the newlyweds who are trying to figure out marriage, for the student who's trying to process school, for the individual who's struggling financially, for the individual who just got a bad diagnosis, no matter what the situation, Father, you said in every way and in every situation, you are peace. Come on, just begin to pray that. Just say, God, give me your peace. Give me your peace. 